Welcome back. It's a new season of Through the Banner podcast footy. I'm so excited. It's 2022. The women's finals is almost upon us. The men's season is almost upon us. And here with me as the first guest, the first co-host of the new season, he was a regular last year and he's back this year better than ever. Fraser Douglas, how are you, mate? Good to have you back on. Thanks for having me, Casper. Gee, it's a pleasure to be here. And wow, that's quite the intro you've given me there. So hopefully I can live up to it. Yeah, um, you can't really say that footy snuck up on you anymore because we've got the AFLW and that's obviously mm-hmm. almost um, reached its um, crescendo in terms of the final. So that's um, exciting times in terms of that. And um, the AFL almost uh, yeah, just around the corner as well. So uh, look, looking forward to the chat and um, looking forward to the footy coming back. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. He's probably your favourite Swan supporter, dear listener, and it's a great pleasure to have him back on with his Swan scarf hanging in the background. Let's get on to the AFLW first. It is the final round of matches for the Hotman Away season. Not all of them were originally round 10 matches. Some of them round two, some of them round seven. Some They've had to be rescheduled for the end of the year. The uh, COVID has once again wreaked havoc on the season, but full kudos to the AFL, the AFLW, and all the players and club officials for getting through the season up until this point. And hopefully, hopefully, um, there'll be no further disruptions this year to proceedings. But Fraser, there's a lot that can happen, um, a lot that can happen looking at this AFLW ladder in the final few games. So I'll head over to you. What are some of the implications here? Certainly is, Casper. And um, one of the things I um, enjoy about the last round, be it um, footy or any sport, is um, having a look at the implications. So what we're kind of sitting at, um, I think there's like, at this stage anyway, there's three top contenders, top flag contenders in Adelaide, Melbourne and Brisbane. The D's hoping to secure their first um, flag at AFLW level. That'll be a good effort after the the men uh, just recently last year. So, and then obviously the Lions seeking a repeat and the Crows hoping for a third premiership. So I've got a couple of powerhouses in uh in Brisbane and Adelaide, they're still hanging around. They're doing very well for themselves. So, so but only two uh, um, guaranteed home prelim, prelim finals. So, in terms of this round coming, if the Crows, who are playing St Kilda on the weekend, and the Dees, who have got Carlton, they both win. They'll finish top two and host prelims um, with seeding based on their percentage. Adelaide's currently leading by about 3.6%, I believe. So, that could really go either way. So, there's still a bit of um, water to go under the bridge there. Um but if either of those slip up, the, uh, the Lions are right there. They could take advantage and um, they will go into their clash um, with the Bulldogs in Ballarat knowing if they can make the top two. So that'll be interesting to see coming into that game. Um, that in turn could impact the race for the final spot in the top six. Um, the Dogs need Collingwood to make, make a mistake um, and that could affect their, their own implications. So there's plenty happening already there. Um, the Magpies had a narrow loss to Adelaide on Sunday. That sees them two two premiership points ahead of the Dogs, who they defeated earlier in the season. Um, if Collingwood defeats Richmond next Saturday, they will play finals, but with a loss, could be passed um, by the Dogs if they're victorious. North Melbourne and Freo, they're virtually locked into the 4-5 qualifying final with percentage, um, very similar to the percentage I listed earlier. It's around that 3% mark, so still plenty to go there. And while Carlton can still mathematically play finals, they would need to demolish Melbourne by 100-odd points, which is... Probably a little difficult to see the way that Melbourne's playing at the minute, but um, if the if um, the Dogs and Magpies both lose as well, which um, appears unlikely, but I'm sure the Blues fans will be hanging on to that one, no doubt. 
Mate, well done. That was an excellent analysis. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited whenever it comes to the end of the season and there's still so many different things that can happen. You know, Brisbane could finish first. Melbourne could finish third. Adelaide could finish third. Carlton and I think Gold Coast could still mathematically make it. As you were saying, it's, it's oh, goodness, I'm just so excited. Let's get on to the final round predictions. It starts off on Friday night, the only game that has zero bearings on the top six, and it's Geelong versus GWS in Geelong. Both teams are in the bottom four this season for total goals kicked. Both teams have gone goalless in recent weeks. Both teams are in the top six for tackles. Probably means that it's going to be a low-scoring, tight, and tough affair. Both teams are bottom four for marks and disposals, meaning that they struggle to hold on to the ball. Because they are so close on the ladder and because they are so close in terms of the statistics, it's the toss of the coin. But just because the Giants are more experienced, they've been in the competition for longer, you know, they... Ah, God, it's difficult to say. Toss a coin. I'm going with the Giants by a goal, but I could easily see Geelong winning this one too. Who do you have in this one, Fraser? Yeah, similar to you, Kat. Yeah, similar to you, mate. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, as you said, flip of the coin areas. Um, just having a look at both teams' form. Kind of hard to, kind of exactly what you're saying, hard to really pick a winner in that one. I, I, was, um, I was thinking Geelong in a, in a close one, but yeah. Um, once we get that one out of the way, not that it, I'm sure it'll be a good t- contest, but I'm um, looking forward to the other games with the uh, implications on finals. Exciting, um, exciting weekend uh, for sure. Absolutely. And now that we've got, no offense to Geelong or GWS, but now that we've got the dead rubber out of the way, <laughs> let's get on to the games that have an impact. And it's so exciting because every single other game will have an impact on the finals in one way or another. Let's start off with two traditional big Melbourne rivals at Victoria Park. Oh, goodness, this would give the old VFL fans just a tingles up the spine. It's Collingwood versus Richmond. Now, I was actually shocked to see this, but Richmond have actually scored more goals than Collingwood this season and have more goals on average than the Magpies. It's 5.4 per game versus 4.7 per game, which is pretty amazing. And in both those categories, the Tigers are actually third. Collingwood control the ball more, having more disposals and higher number of marks than the Tigers. Both teams struggle with the number of tackles expected to be a free-flowing affair. Collingwood's defense is sturdier, conceding just 267 points this season compared to Richmond, who have conceded 376 points. Collingwood, as you said, can lock up six spot on the ladder. The Tigers, all they've got to play for is momentum. I am tipping Collingwood to win. They played once before. Collingwood won by 17 points, and I'm tipping a similar result, Collingwood by three goals. Similar for me, mate. Yeah, Collingwood four goals. I think they'll um they'll be headed to to the finals, and uh, we'll see what they can do. Come come the big dances. Now we go on to Arden Street Oval North versus West Coast. Now this is interesting. Um, the Kangaroos are actually the least prolific scoring side in the comp out of the teams already locked in the finals, having only kicked thirty nine goals so far. Melbourne, by comparison, we'll get onto the Demons later. Melbourne, by comparison, have kicked 62 goals this year, and they lead the pack. The Kangaroos are also bottom five for tackling, but make up for it by being uh, one of the leading teams with disposals and with marking as well. The Eagles, tough season. It's been tough on the field. It's been tough off the field. They had that whole pride jumper fiasco 
earlier in the season. Uh, they just want the season to end. And I really do feel with them. And I feel with Dana Hooker as well with her recent injury too. She didn't need that after the wretched run that she's had over the last couple of seasons. Um, they are last for disposals, bottom six for marks, third last for tackles, and second last for total goals, kick this season. North, they could host a final, as you mentioned, uh, Fraser. They locked in a battle with the Dockers for fourth spot. Uh, they had a glorious run going. I think they won five in a row before losing their last two games quite comfortably. I actually can't believe this, but it's their first time that they've played each other in the AFLW, which is surprising considering that they've, you know, played in 2020 and 2021 and they haven't met yet. But I'm thinking the Kangas will do it easy, five goals at home. Yeah, it's an interesting stat you bring up. They've never played before. That's the kind of wisdom you get on the Through the Banner podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, similar to you. I think it's a bit of a confidence booster for North Melbourne um, going into finals. Um I'd imagine that'll be that'll be yeah a good little fill up for them um, before before it gets to the real stuff. Now we get on to Melbourne versus Carlton at Casey Fields on Saturday night. Uh, Carlton have had a decent 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 end to the season. Um, once again, missing out on finals um, for the second season in a row, unfortunately. Um, however, they are playing against a team that is coming off the biggest ever win in AFLW history, not just in terms of winning margin, but also the first team in AFLW history to kick over 100 points last week, Melbourne, and they did it away from home in WA in hostile territory. Absolutely fantastic. Carlton is actually the team leading with the most disposals this season. Melbourne are second. Carlton, however, are the worst tackling team in the AFLW. So it turns out that pressure in the opposition isn't just a thing that Carlton's men's team struggle with. Turns out the AFLW team struggles with that as well. Go figure. Um, the Ds are middle of the road for tackling with that and their domination with the ball in terms of disposals and their scoring prowess. Carlton are going to struggle a lot in this game. Carlton have conceded 40-plus points on five separate occasions this year. Eh, I think the Ds should win. It's a close in terms of the head-to-head matchups heading into this. The Demons lead by one. I think they'll increase it by another one uh, after this one. The Ds by about 20 points. Yeah, similar again mate, here, mate. We're, um, we're on a bit of a similar page. Um, yeah, I was really impressed by Melbourne last week and hard not to be kicking 100 for the first time in AFLW. And as you mentioned, in hostile territory over there in WA. But um, yeah, Carlton, second year in a row. Without finals, a bit disappointing. Um, there's, there's certainly talent there. So um, hopefully they can bounce back for their fans next year. But, yeah, um, you mentioned Melbourne. They're um, middle of the roads order in tackling. But the way they play, I think it really suits the way um, the AFLW is training at the moment with, um, with like, possession is so, such a key. If you can maintain the possession of the ball, I think you're in a really good spot. So, yeah, I think um, I'd have to say Melbourne and – if I was picking a um, if I was picking a premiership favorite right now, I'd have to I'd probably take them. I think uh, there's a there's a definitely a thing in um, in codes like AFL when you've got especially these days when you've got an AFL team and an AFLW thing team I should say momentum is a big thing. So I could see them definitely um, carrying on. Wouldn't that be a story? Um, the men's into the women's back to back. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I'll pass it back to you, mate. 
Yeah, I mean, that would be a fascinating story. First team to complete the uh, the AFL and AFLW double. Um, On to Sunday afternoon at RSEA Park here in Melbourne. It's St Kilda versus Adelaide, the least prolific scoring side versus the third most prolific scoring side. The Crows' best side in the uh, marking category, Saints are bottom four, Crows are second for disposals, Saints bottom six. However, the Saints are a better tackling side than the Crows, although I guess that makes sense considering the Saints barely have the ball. Um, This is exciting for St Kilda, a real opportunity to do something they have never done before in the AFLW, which is to win three games in a row. And you might be crazy, dear listener. You might might tell me that I'm crazy for saying this, but they're a chance here. They did nearly beat Brisbane a couple of games ago. However, the Crows are second for disposals. The Blues are first, as mentioned previously. And we saw three or four games ago what happened when Carlton played St. Kilda. And they ran them ragged, conceding the lowest score in AFLW history and just dominating the Saints all over the park. I fear that might happen again. I don't think the Saints will go goalless, but it should be a comfortable win for the Crows, the Saints are yet to beat Adelaide, and that first win will not come this season. Crows by 27 points, and that feels a tad bit generous. Yeah, you've got me intrigued, though, mate, saying that um, um, obviously they went close against Brisbane in the last uh, few weeks. So, yeah, it's definitely one to keep an eye on that game. I'd probably be, have, to, have to say similar. Adelaide's been super impressive this year and um, such a force with the ball. And um, as you mentioned, um, St Kilda, good tackling numbers, but that's because they haven't had much of it. So yeah, it's hard to see. Um, it's hard to see the Saints um, troubling them too much. I'd say. I'd say probably Adelaide by five goals, similar to you, mate. Now we get on to the 2018 Grand Final rematch. It's the Bulldogs and Brisbane at Mars Stadium. Footy returns to Ballarat. The stakes aren't quite as high this time around as that grand final in 2018, obviously, but they're still pretty high. As you mentioned earlier, Fraser, the Dogs can make finals with a win and a Collingwood loss, and the Lions can still finish as high as first. They can finish. uh, I may be incorrect, but I think they might. They could finish as low as fourth as fifth if they lose, and if one of, if not both, Frio and North absolutely annihilate their opponents. Probably not going to happen, but you never know. The Lions are prolific in absolutely everything. They're second for total goals behind Melbourne. The Dogs can concede a high score. After all, they did give Collingwood their highest ever score in AFLW history earlier this year. Yet the Dogs can score pretty quickly too. They were down by about five goals at three-quarter time against the Suns, ended up drawing that game. Because of what's happening in Southeast Queensland, Thoughts go out to everyone in Southeast Queensland and in New South Wales struggling with the floods at the moment. I think Brisbane will pull off an emotional victory. The Lions by 14 points. Would I be surprised if the Dogs pull off the upset? No. Um, the overall head-to-head is two apiece. I think Brisbane will nudge ahead. Yeah, similar to me again, mate. We're um, seeing from the same uh, hymn book today. But, yeah, it's a tough one. But um, I can't. I can't see... I can't see them getting beat. I mean, it's a it's a little bit of an upset watch, but they've been so impressive, Brisbane, as as those top three teams have been. So, yeah, I'd probably say Brisbane. I mean, I could see I could see the Dogs. I mean, they've been a good side not in the first few years of the AFLW, but I'd say probably I'd probably say Brisbane by three goals. Yeah, no, that is fair enough. Now, this last game on paper in previous years, this matchup has been uh, fairly one-sided. 
Fremantle versus Gold Coast in Perth at Fremantle Oval. Dockers coming off the heaviest loss, conceding the highest score in AFLW history. Uh, they weren't at full strength, and I'm not sure they will be. If Bowers misses once again, then I reckon that the Suns might be in with a chance. The Suns can still make finals, but it's mathematical category at the moment. These two teams have played twice before. Both times, Frio held the Suns to a single goal. However, both uh, those last two seasons, 2020 and 2021, the Suns were bottom four for goals kicked during the entire season. They're getting, <clears throat> excuse me, they're getting better. They're now middle of the pack. They are improving. They are high tackling sides, both of them. Expect a tough encounter. I don't think Fremantle will lose just because they do have a home final on the line. And they are coming off of absolute shellacking. And always be careful of a team in Barrett because they often come out breathing fire. I do expect Fremantle to win. Dockers by about five goals. If Bowers plays, Dockers by seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, similar to um, what I was kind of thinking along the lines of the team coming off the, the massive shellacking in the case of Frio. Um, could definitely see a bit of a bounce back here. And I think they'll go um, go very close to um, to oh, well, they should be winning, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think they'll uh, similar to similar to North too. They should they should both be um, gathering some form heading into that elimination final in the first week of finals. I'd say Frio by four goals. Fair enough. And you mentioned Melbourne as uh, your tip at the moment for the premiership. I still think, look, without either of my two teams being in the competition. I instead try to go for a team that hasn't won it yet. And so whilst I would love for someone else, either than Adelaide or Brisbane to win the premiership, I just think the Crows, they're just made for finals football. They are always so prolific whenever it comes to finals football, especially if they get that top two spot. And they do play St Kilda in a game that they should win. That should lock up a top two spot. I do think the Crows are going to win it this season. But um, yeah, I think I'll be rooting for Melbourne to win. That is for sure. Now, on to the AFL section of the podcast. We'll go through each team. We'll give them what we think will be a pass mark for them this year, what we think will give, be a fail mark this season, what we think is actually going to happen. Then we'll give our grand final matchup tip, our ladder prediction, who's going to win the Wooden Spoon, Rising Star, Brownlow, Coleman, Norm Smith, all that jazz. In fact, do you know what? I'll reverse that. Let's get on to the individual awards first. I'm curious, mate. Let's start with the Rising Star. Who do you think is going to win the Rising Star this year and uh, and why? It's hard to go past um, North Melbourne's number one pick, Jason Horn francis for mine. Um, just seeing last week against my Swans, he's just just a bigger, bigger body than most um, rookies his age. So really impressed by him in a, in a team that... Um, I think we'll struggle this year. So yeah, exciting times for North in that sense with um, a really good player on, on the rise, I would say. And he got the ability to um, to play forward, kicked, I think he kicked three on the weekend, which was really impressive against a pretty handy um, Swans defense. So yeah, some optimism there for North Melbourne fans. And um, it's, um, it's an award that I think he should be um, well and truly favored for. What about you, Matt? Look, you're probably right in saying that he should be favoured for it, but I'm going to go in a different direction. I think the Swans this year will, in Buddy's last year of his contract, 
we slowly, slowly, slowly go into and less. And that means more opportunities for other swans in that forward line filled with youngsters to dominate. And I think none will dominate quite like Logan McDonald. I think he's set for not a massive year. I'm not saying 50 plus goals. I'm not there. That's crazy. But I'm saying that I think he'll be a consistent enough force that if Buddy doesn't play, either through injuries or is having a quiet game, I think he'll step up and be a reliable option for the Swans um, as a as a backup option for Buddy. And that could very well net him the Rising Star Award. Now I'm curious, Brownlow Medal Wines and Bontempelli, it seemed a two-horse race for most of last season, and Wines came out on top after a quiet last three games from Bont. But I'll say this, get to the latter predictions later. Normally, it's really difficult for a team, uh, for a player who's on a team with multiple fantastic, phenomenal players who dominate, get tons of disposals every week to win the Brownlow because they often get votes taken off of them, right? Which is why I think I'm, I'm not tipping someone like Petrarca because I can see I can see Oliver taking tips off of him. I can see Salem taking tips off of him. Is why I'm not tipping. Uh, I'm not tipping wines again because back-to-back brown lows are extremely rare. But also, it's very, very difficult to see him, you know, dominating like he did in 2021. Fife, two injured, Crips uh, and Walsh. They'll probably steal tips off each other. Parish. I would love for another bomber to win it and hopefully not have this one taken off of them. But I just can't see him winning as many as many uh Brownlow votes as perhaps he could just because I think Jake Stringer will win his fair share, Zach Merritt will win his fair share, McGraw will win his fair share. Um I do think the dogs, and I'll get to this later, will take a, a little bit of a step back, which will thus allow Bontempelli to win the lion's share of the Bulldogs Brownlow tips. I think it'll be enough for Bont to win the Brownlow. Um, I think it'll be close, but I am tipping the Bulldogs captain. How about you, Fraser? Who's your tip? Uh, I've heard someone's been training the house down um, at Melbourne. So, and he went close last year. And it's Clayton Oliver. Um, mm-hmm. Was as close to a Norm Smith medal winning performance as I reckon you could have without actually winning it last year. Was mm-hmm. um, was very special. I thought he got them going early and um, was... I mean, if not for Petraka, he he very goes he goes close. I think in my mind, anyway. So, yeah, Clayton Oliver for me, I feel like um, he's building um, such an impressive player. When you've and obviously um, you've got like the silver platter service of um, Max gone. Obviously, he's alongside players like Petraka, but at the same time, it's not the most it's not the most loaded midfield in terms of names. It's not a Bulldogs midfield, if you know what I mean. It's not like you've got McRae, you've got Bontempelli, you've got all these names everywhere. You've got forwards that can um, fall in there. You've got um, backline players that can fall in there. So um, Clayton Oliver for me um, should be a good count though. There's a lot of players that um, definitely have rights to that award this year, definitely. Now on to the Coleman medal, Fraser. Who do you think is going to kick the most goals this year? Yeah, a bit of a Melbourne theme for me. Um, I'm quite high on them this year. I'm going a bit, no, I wouldn't say left field, but uh, Bailey Fritch I've got as my Coleman medalist. Um, wow. Love him inside the forward line. He just does, doesn't does like make mistakes, rarely makes a mistake. Um, 
uh, was was massive in the grand final. Um, was was all over the joint, uh, especially when they needed him. Got them going in that third quarter. So, um, yeah, a bit of a left field one. I thought I'd throw one in there for you, mate. And um, be interesting to see how close he's get. He'll get. Um, he's obviously got. Hopefully, fingers crossed for um, health sake. Um, with Ben Brown, he'll have him for the for the full year. You've got McDonald. Sometimes he'll be getting the the third defender, second defender. That's that's pretty good for a, a player of his caliber. So I could see him going really close. What about you, Matt? It's going to be really interesting if he does pull it off, just because it's so rare for a team, for a player of a short stature to 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 win the Coleman medal. Just having a look here, he's 188 centimetres tall. The last player, I reckon, having a look at the list here, and I don't have all the players' heights off by heart, by memory, but I reckon the last player who was around that height to win the um, to win the common medal was Brian was Brian Taylor all the way back in 1986. Like that was that long ago. I I am sticking with Melbourne. I think Ben Brown, his performance in the grand final, his performance in the second half of the year, especially in a final series, was as dominant as you want from a big forward. I think this year Melbourne's midfield is going to be difficult to stop if not near impossible to stop which means ben brown will have as much service as he wants just footies being kicked at him left right and center and you do not want to get in the way of that big 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 tasmanian going at full flight at the footy so i reckon he's going to win it's going to be i don't uh yeah i don't want to ask you this how many goals do you think bailey fritz is going to kick I think you could kick 60 mid 60s. Nothing that's enough these days. Um, yeah. I'm not talking. Well, I'm not talking about an 80 goal season, but I think <laughs> the way the game's played these days, and he doesn't, he tends to not struggle with injury, which I think is another factor I kind of factored in, um, especially when so many big key forwards these days do struggle to stay out on the park. So yeah, I think mid 60s could definitely see him win, but um, I don't mind you your shout on Ben Brown. Hopefully one of them can win for us, mate. Hopefully we're on the money there. <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And of course, gamble responsibly if you are going to gamble. Um, on to the Norm Smith tip. Who do you reckon is going to win the best player on the ground in the grand final? Yeah, a bit repetitive for me. Uh, Clayton Oliver again. Um, <laughs> kind of mentioned how close he could have gone last year. I thought he was immense um was kind of surprised how little he polled in norm smith votes in the end um i guess petraka kind of eats up those votes when you look at it, that midfield time um and you kind of want to diversify your votes a bit a lot of them had i think salem i think caleb daniel might have got a vote um yeah so clayton oliver for me i just think he's gonna have a um spectacular season and melbourne's midfield as you mentioned i think can um probably doesn't even need to go to another level. I think that level that it was at um, at the back end of last year was pretty special. Fair enough. Well, I'm tipping. It's normally normally the midfielders who dominate these kind of awards. And yeah, sure, you, you occasionally get someone else. You know, think back to 2013 when Brian Lake um, stifled Matthew Pavlich and won the Norm Smith that year. Um, but with that being said, I do think it'll be another midfield. I'm tipping Lockie Neal. Uh, one of the best players had a little bit of a turbulent start to the offseason. Will he move? Will he move back to Perth? Will he not move back to Perth? I think once that's all behind him, 
he'll dominate this season. And I think Brisbane is going to have a fantastic year, reach the grand final. And I think he's going to be instrumental on the grand final. Let's go through our grand final predictions. Who's going to play? Who's going to win? Fraser, who do you have? Yeah, as we've mentioned, we're kind of seeing from the same um, hymn book here. I'm Melbourne, Brisbane as well. Um, I think in my ladder, I've got the dogs finishing second, but I'm hoping for perhaps a bit of revenge for, for the Lions in the finals. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, Melbourne and Brisbane, I think that'd be a, um, an awesome grand final and hopefully we can um, we can see it at the home of footy this year. Man, imagine, imagine this, right? Imagine this. First time in AFL history, we've had grand finals played outside of Victoria and two Victorian teams won them. Now, hopefully it'll be back in Victoria and I think a non-Victorian team will win it. I am tipping Melbourne versus Brisbane in the grand final Brisbane to win. I just think the Demons, they're going to be borderline impossible to stop this season. But with that being said, they had such a lucky run with injuries last year and taking nothing away from them. But really, the only player outside their best 22 who didn't play in the grand final due to injury was Tomlinson, who did his, I think it was his knee back in round seven or so last season. Um, I don't think they'll be that lucky again. And I, I just wonder whether or not how deep their depth truly is because it didn't really get tested last year. It could very well be a situation like Essendon in 2001, dominant season, and then just before the grand final, all these players injured, all these players sore. Take nothing away from Brisbane's win in 2001, of course. I'm not a salty Essendon supporter, promise. <laughs> um, Brisbane, on the other hand, they'll get Rayner back. They'll get Hipwood back. Danaher has now played in finals football. He played in one or two with the Bombers, but eh, he's now played as a mature age player. Finals footy, he'll now know what it's about. And with Rayner, Danaher, and Hitwood, hopefully back and firing for Brisbane, they won't just rely on Charlie Cameron again to kick goals in finals like they did last season because um, obviously it didn't work out for them. With that forward line fit and firing, it's I don't think any defense can stop them truthfully so i'm tipping brisbane to win the premiership let's rewind a bit before finals are played go through our ladder prediction from first through to 18th who is going to finish where on the ladder at the end of round 23 and we'll go through our top eight first and then we'll go through our bottom 10 fraser Actually, do you know what? Scratch that. I'm making this up as I go, dear listener. In case you're new to the podcast, this is what I do quite often. Instead, we'll discuss the ladder afterwards. Instead, let's go through what's the pass mark, what's the fail mark, and what we think is going to happen to each team. Alphabetically, that means we start off with the Adelaide Crows. I think pass mark for them, they are out of the bottom four. They are still super, super, super young. Anything higher than 15th on a ladder will be a fantastic season for them. A fail mark would be another wooden spoon. I think they're going to get another wooden spoon. Consider this. Taylor Walker kicked 48 goals last year. The Crows in total, according to Fox Sports, kicked 230 goals. And according to Google, that is 20.87% of your goals coming from just one player who won't play the first three games due to the racism scandal from last year and is towards the twilight of his career where injuries are more common and form will naturally fall off unless you are a small handful of players. The kids are all right, but they're not ready to step up in the way the Crows need them to. I think Adelaide will win another wooden spoon. 
How about you? Yeah. Similar, similar, mate. Um, I've seen the projected win totals for every team and there's a set at seven and a half. I don't think I could see them winning more than eight games. I think, I think seven or even six would not be a bad effort, to be completely honest. If they're winning, as you said, if they're out of the bottom four, I think I think that's probably beyond a pass, Mark. That's probably overachieving, which um, who knows? I mean, there's still plenty of talent on that list. A lot of young players that um, we've seen um, have ability, um, which is good. It's a good thing for the league that we're talking about a team with plenty of talent that um, may struggle to win five five games for the year, which is um, which is a good thing, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't be too optimistic if, it, if I was an Adelaide supporter, but um, I'm quite a pessimistic supporter anyway. So yeah, <laughs> if they can, if they're as you said, if they're out of the bottom four. That would be that would probably be a, an overachievement for mine. I probably struggle to see them doing that. Yeah, no, agree with you, mate. On to the Brisbane Lions. Well, I think we've already mentioned what we think is going to happen. <laughs> uh, for me, pass mark is a grand final. They've had they've had enough final failure. Um, anything less than a prelim final showing is a fail for me. Predictions, premiers. Remember how Port failed for three years in finals before winning it all in two thousand and four. The Tigers recently took three September campaigns of sucking before finally climbing the uh, premiership dais in 2017. Everyone's going to be back from injury, as mentioned before. I think this, I think this is the year. This is the year the cup returns to Queensland. Yeah, similar, similar kind of story for mine. Um, yeah, I think they go close. I think they go really close this year. I've got them finishing third. Pass mark. Um, their win total set at 14 and a half. I think they'll clear that um, quite comfortably. Um, hopefully they can get their health back and they're quite an exciting team when they're up and going. So looking forward to hopefully seeing them make, um, make a bit of a run and do some damage when it comes to September. I'll hand you over to Carlton, mate. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to discussing the Blues. Um, <laughs> look, I think for me, past mark, they, they have to play finals football. They have to play finals football. Anything less than finals is a fail. And I have them just missing out. According to Fox Sports, in 2021, they were the worst team in the comp for disposals and bottom four for tackling. Bottom six for marks, middle of the road for scoring, hence why they didn't play finals football. Cherry's going to come in. He's going to help a lot in that midfield, especially with um, disposals. He had an average of about, I think, 23 touches in 2021. Voss, as head coach, one of the toughest players to ever play the game. As your head coach, naturally, you're going to become a more tackling, a more defensive outfit. They're going to have to strike that balance between being an offensive team and a defensive team. Brendan Bolton, good defense, never won any games because they couldn't kick a high enough score. Teague kicked high enough scores, but often conceded even higher scores. They've got to strike that balance properly. And look, they've been they've they've played well in the preseason. They've played very well in the preseason. However, preseason form can be deceptive, especially when it comes to this club. Won two preseason comps in the mid two thousands, and then finished bottom two in both years. In twenty thirteen, they crushed Frio in the preseason by seventy points. That season only made finals thanks to the Essendon saga, and Fremantle made the grand final. Look. I don't know whether it's because I don't want to trust the club yet, or because I don't actually trust the club yet. But I just can't see them playing finals football yet. Got to see them be consistently good enough to win games they should. How about you, Fraser? Um, yeah, really promising signs in there. I mean, who wants to read too much into preseason? But really promising against Melbourne, I thought. 
Um, similar to you though, though, mate, I've got them just missing out. Um, sorry, Blues fans. I'm sure they'll be um, buoyed by what they saw last weekend. And um, I think I think finals is probably about a pass mark. I think you've nailed it there. Um, win total set at nine and a half. I think 10 is probably where I'd see them finishing. That probably, if whether that's enough to actually make the eight, I'm not so sure, especially with, it's quite a, it's quite a strong upper echelon of the league this year. So I think they, even with 10 wins, they could still miss out. So, but I think you're right. Um, finals, although it's a tough task for Michael Voss in his first year, um, they've, they've, they have got some talent there, as we know. Um, Chera, you mentioned. George Hewitt, I think, will help in the midfield. Um, but yeah, pass mark is finals. Whether they do that, though, remains to be seen. It does indeed. And look, Carlton fans, positive signs. Cripps looks awesome. He awesome. looks back to his pre-2020 form. He looks absolutely great. And that midfield is scary. Walsh, Chera, and Cripps. You've got backline, Weedering and the forward line, McKay, and possibly Kerno if he can stay fit. Um, it's just a, just a super, super, super scary outfit on paper, but they've just got to translate it into success on the field before I can trust them. On to Collingwood. Well, isn't a week a long time in preseason football? They looked like the Harlem Globetrotters against Hawthorne. They were absolutely fantastic. Cox was rocking the shades. Oh, they looked like rock stars. And then... Against the Giants, all of a sudden, injuries came to key recruits. Kruger, probably going to miss a game or two. Lipinski, who knows how how long he's going to miss for, but probably won't play against St. Kilda. And then Maynard, one of their best defenders, if not their second best defender behind Moore, now won't play due to a terrible attempt at a spoil. Um, I'm curious, just before I ask you your opinion about the Pies, was that suspension warranted? Oh, yeah. Shocking, I thought. Absolutely mm. shocking. I saw it live and I was like, Jesus. That's when you know they're bad when you go, when you audibly say Jesus to yourself mm. or some sort of expletive. Um, yeah, no, nah, yeah, not, yeah, not a great look and well deserved, I thought. Look, I, I was talking to Liam, who, in case you don't know, dear listener, you'll probably hear him later on this season. He is a regular on this podcast, has been since the first year back in 2020. He is a Collingwood supporter. I asked him his opinion about this, and he said, oh, you know, it didn't look too bad. And I had to remind him that he's a Collingwood supporter, so he's probably very biased. Um, look, they were already very, very thin in terms of their in terms of their depth, the pies, because aside from three or four super talented players, the gulf between them and everyone else on the list is absolutely massive. And now you've got Maynard out. That means Moore's going to be down back pretty much, I don't want to say by himself, but pretty much by himself down back against a St. Kilda outfit. And it's such a shame because their first two games were so winnable against the flaky Saints and against the Crows team, who I think is going to finish last. They would have looked at those two games and thought to themselves, yeah, we could easily see ourselves winning these two games, especially with Taylor Walker not playing in that Crows match. But now, I think Colin was going to finish bottom four. Um, a fail would be a wooden spoon. Anything out of the bottom four would be miraculous, just like the Crows. On to the Bombers. Oh, boy. Right. Bombers. Um, look, I think similar to the last three seasons, half <laughs> mark has to be winning a final. It has to be. It has to be. Whatever the number is right now, 6 million days, 680,000 <laughs> years, however long it's been, we have to win a final. If we don't play finals, I think that's a fail. 
Um, I don't know what'd be worse if we if we made finals and got crushed in week one like we normally do, or if we end up missing finals entirely. What a terrible thing to think about. I think I think, and I don't know whether or not I'm being more optimistic than anything, but I think we will win a final and then get comfortably beaten in the second week of the finals. Tip and Woody, Stringer, and Hooker combined for over 100 goals last year between them. Stringer, he's declared himself fit for round one. Hopefully, he'll play one run. Uh, AMT might not be match fit in time for round one, and Hooker has retired which means that at least for the first game, maybe for the first few games, it's going to come down to the likes of Harrison Jones and Peter Wright. Harrison Jones, I think, is still too young. Peter Wright, still too inconsistent in order to truly stand up and be, you know, consistent forward targets for us. We've got a tough first three games of the year. We've got Geelong, Brisbane at Marvel Stadium, and then the Demons. That's a tough stretch. We could find ourselves zero and three very easily. And it's a tough hole to get out of. However, if we want to play finals and win, these are the kind of games that we have to play. I'm not sold on Mick Mulhouse saying we're going to win the flag. And I am <laughs> terrified the fact that he said that. But we should be aiming for the top six come the end of the home and away season. And when that pesky Twitter account tracking our finals drought is reset to zero, that will be the happiest day of my life. Forget getting jobs. Forget getting accepted into university. Even forget if I get married in future. Forget getting married. That will be the highlight of my life, seeing that get reset to zero. How about you, Fraser? Uh, will it get reset to zero this year? Might be the first time we've disagreed on something on this podcast. I think uh, that would be a sad day when that Twitter account has to uh, move on. Uh, it's been a highlight of mine, so <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, Essendon, I'm quite bullish on Essendon. I've got them, got them finishing sixth. And if you were saying winning a final is a pass mark, I think finishing sixth or higher is probably a pass mark for me. Um, finals, we know it's um, as we know, especially I'm sure as an Essendon supporter, you know it's hard to win a final. But I think if they can finish sixth, get a home final, it'd be awesome for their fans to be able to actually feels like every time they've been in a final, they've ever been in Perth or um, just like nowhere, nowhere near, um, anywhere near their supporters. Obviously, they turned out in droves in um, Tassie, but um, I'm sure their Melbourne fan base would be keen to get along. But yeah, quite bullish on them. Hopefully, the Ben Rutten game plan is um, ready to go. I thought that looked pretty sound in the preseason. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for you, mate. Fingers crossed for all Essendon supporters that this year's um, the year when that um, drought is finally broken. Okay, sorry. Just had to just had to scream, just had to exclaim in agony for a second. Uh, on to Fremantle. Now, uh, I think pass. They have to play finals. It's been too long for them being outside finals football. I think worst case scenario, and I could easily foresee this, if they have another wretched run with injuries, they get smashed at home like they did repeatedly last season. They could finish bottom six. That's worst case scenario. Look, they were bottom four for tackles and four disposals in 2021, and that was with Adam Chera. So now he's gone. That's an average of 23.1 disposals for your team out. But with that being said, I don't know. I just saw something from Justin Longmuir's team last year. They beat Richmond in a thriller at home. They defeated the Eagles for the first time since Barack Obama was still president. You remember those good <laughs> days when Barack Obama was still president? God, wasn't that a great time? So innocent, the time of 2015. Anyway, <laughs> if Fife, Darcy, and their core group of youngsters, especially that midfield, can stay healthy, they can play finals. But one or two injuries, and they could all collapse like a house of cards. I think the Dockers are going to play finals. They'll make it to the elimination final and get absolutely wrecked. 
but at least they're going to play in September for the first time since 2015. How about you, Fraser? Uh, yeah, kind of what you touched on there, mate. Such a such a great variance between where I think this team could be. Bottom six, you mentioned. I think that's not out of the realms of possibility. Finals is probably, as you mentioned, a pass mark. They should be making finals. Um, I think everyone probably admires the way the Dockers have gone about building over the last few years, but um, it seems like they have like an injury crisis every year. Um, you'd hope they can keep moving forward. They've obviously lost Chera. Um, Matt Fife's injury history is always a concern. David Mundy's 600 years old. Um, so, yeah, not sure. Um, I've got them just missing the eight, but um, pass mark would be to make, make the finals. Not necessarily win one, but make a final would, be, uh, would definitely be pleasing for um, Freo fans, that's for sure. Now we get to Geelong, and I am so excited to discuss this team. I think pass mark for them, premiership. Anything less is a fail. And I have them missing finals. That's right. For years, everyone has said that the cliff will come for Geelong. The cliff will come for Geelong, and the cliff never comes from Geelong. Whatever magic potion they take... I want to have some because it will mean that I will never, ever, ever get old and I will always stay young and I will always stay on top of my game. However, with that being said, their youngsters, sorry, their stars aren't getting any younger. Most of them are 30 and above and many of them still underperform in finals football. Gary Rowan, I'm talking about you. Melbourne and Port in 2021 in September both made the Cats look slow. Their bodies are only going to get slower and only going to get older, only going to get more banged up. Sooner or later, the dad squad is going to be renamed the dad's, the, excuse me, the granddad squad. Outside of a couple of youngsters, I can't see anyone ready to step up and replace, say, a Joel Selwood or a Patrick Dangerfield if one of them gets hurt. And they play the Speedy Bombers in round one. And any Essendon fan will tell you that speed kills. How about you, Fraser? Yeah. Once again, we're, we're quite similar. We should it looks sounds like we've compared notes prior to this, but um, I've got Geelong just making finals. But it's an interesting thing you say there as for a pass mark. I mean, I can't see them winning the flag. I mean, but like that, that almost still is their pass mark because of their list profile. So obviously, they're quite old, um, have stocked up in mature age recruits in recent years. But I would be pretty shocked if they were um, able to win the flag. They're obviously always going to win their games down in Geelong. They've still got the talent there. It's easy to see them making finals, but winning a flag, I think, gee, I think I'd be, I would be surprised and that's probably not a great sign, but I mean, Geelong supporters would be interesting. I haven't really spoken to one recently, but I don't know where their head would be at about this coming season. It's, that's, that's another team similar to Frio where, they could, they could, they could probably make top four. Couldn't say they win the flag, but top four is probably not out of the realms of possibility. But I could also see them missing, like yourself. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting with Geelong. Um, I've got them eighth. I don't think I can't see them winning a flag though. There's a um, there's an ancient Mesopotamian tale um, called the Epic of Gilgamesh, where uh, where legend has it a king called Gilgamesh tried to basically look mortality in the face and say, yeah, no, that's not going to happen and tried to find the cure for eternal life. Wasted a lot of time, couldn't find anything and finally accepted, do you know what? Yeah, fine. I'm going to die one day. Might as well make the most of it and, you know, be a good king. Geelong, be like Gilgamesh. Dark a hashtag, be more like Gilgamesh. Accept the fact that the cliff is going to come for you. It's going to do you good in the long term because you're going to turn to youth. It's going to might you know, hurt now, 
but it will definitely benefit you later on, as opposed to prolonging, 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 you know, living just, you know, just surviving, just getting by, and then all of a sudden having a terrible fall off in a year or two. So I think if they turn to youth now, it's going to be a tough season, but nowhere near as tough as if they turn to their youth in a year or two from now. On to the Gold Coast Suns. Speaking of youth, similar to the Crows and the Pies, I think anything outside of the bottom four is going to be a great season from them. They could win the wooden spoon once more. And if so, then as the AFL puts it, the specter of Alistair Clarkson will loom large in the offseason. However, I saw something against Geelong, which was really interesting. You would have thought that a team missing their most prolific goal scorer and the most dangerous forward for the entire season would be disheartened against a premiership contender, I use in air quotes there, in Geelong. But there are other players stood up. Chol, recruit from Richmond, he stood up. Anderson stood up. Rankin looked good. He looked really, really good. Rao, if he can stay fit and healthy, he could be a, a dark horse for the Brownlow medal this year, Maddie. Well, I'm serious. He was that good before he got injured the first time in 2020. If he can rediscover that form, he's going to be awesome. Now, with that being said, they are still the uh, weakest score inside in 2021. And now they're without banking. But with that being said, I do think they'll win more games. Not enough to challenge finals football. Probably not enough to save Stuart Dew's job. But... They'll surprise a few teams. What about you, Fraser? Their win total set at five and a half. I think they're as you, and they won seven last year. So I think probably a pass mark with the injury to King. Um, they should be they should be clearing last year's total. I would have thought um, even with that injury, eight wins probably that similar to you though. Can't see them um, troubling the scorers in finals. Um, yeah, looked good in preseason. I thought. Um, Against Geelong, quite quite good in um in terms of defense. I thought thought they really structured up well. Um, against what is still a relatively formidable Geelong team, so um, signs of signs of optimism for Gold Coast Sun supporters at this stage. I think. Now we get on to the other. Can we even call them an expansion team anymore? They've been in the comp for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? I'll call them an expansion team still. The Greater Western Sydney Giants. I think pass mark, they could be prelim finalists. I think they could also miss finals if everything gets catastrophic for them. I don't think it will. I think they'll reach the prelim finals. Consider this, the Giants dealt with an injury list longer than the distance from Sydney to Perth if you're caught in peak hour traffic. Now, granted, right, I've never been on that stretch of road in peak hour traffic in Western Sydney, but I have heard it is nightmarish. So that's why I'm using this as a metaphor. Imagine what the Giants can do once Green is back from suspension and they have a healthy injury list. With an injury list the length of Flemington straight, they made the semifinals last year. Like, it is scary what this Giants team can do. I love their youngsters. They've got a good balance of youth and experience. I think if they could stay healthy, they could very well challenge for the flag. How about you, Fraser? I'm not as high on them. This is one one of the only things we haven't just, um, agreed on. Although I thought they were really solid in the preseason against um, against us against the Swans, they looked solid. Um, last year they finished with a percentage under 100. Teams don't win a final um, with with that percentage, and yet they and they they beat the Swans. Probably a bit lucky in the end. If you watch that fourth quarter again, 
God help me. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd say pump the brakes a little bit. Um, a pass mark for me, their projected wins was is 11 and a half. I feel like they're in the similar kind of bracket to Carlton. I've got Carlton down for like 10 wins. I think 10 wins is about where they'll fit for their finish, whether that's a pass mark or not. Probably not. I would have said a pass mark would probably be to clear that line. Probably 12 wins is probably a pass mark. Um, that, to be to be fair, I don't think you can find a better like list um, in terms of how they recruit. They are always finding players at the draft every year, the Giants. So it's very, I don't mind the call that they're one of the teams that could surprise and spring a prelim final. They've, they've done well in their recent history to um, always seem to go one game further than they probably should have been in the finals. So you never know with the Giants. And um, as a Sydney man, I know all too well that they can um, bob up and knock you off when you least expect it. So yeah, probably probably 12 wins over that. It's a pass mark for mine. Fair enough. Let's get on to another big Victorian club who I reckon is going to struggle a lot this season. Another one with the new coach as well. Not just Carlton, not just Collingwood, but Hawthorne. Look, I think pass mark, not out of the bottom four. I think if they finish higher than 17th, I think that is the pass mark for them. Fail, I think, will be wooden spoon. I think they will get third time, third time lucky, right? They've missed out on finishing last just in 2020 and i think it will happen again in 2021 sorry it did happen again in 2020 it happened again in 2022 they're going to finish 17th i'm tipping the hawks to finish above the crows just because i trust hawthorne more i trust their older players more they're not just relying on just one player to keep the lion's share of their goals but it will still be a hellish year for hawthorne and i cannot wait for it what about you Fraser? yeah not a huge fan of the hawks myself sorry hawthorne fans so I'll take great uh, pleasure in um, hopefully watching them struggle. Look, uh, MVD, MVD, we're sorry. We're sorry about that. You know, <laughs> you, you have the opportunity. Once you're on, you you'll have the right reply. Three shots at Essendon and Sydney. But of until course. then, until then, Fraser, sorry, I interrupted you. Continue chewing at the Hawks. Go for it. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's hard. It's a tough one with Hawthorne and all pretty much all the teams with new coaches. You're not really sure on the on the game plan, obviously um, Sam Mitchell's in the VFL. Um, I think I've caught a couple of games, but um, nothing to say. I've got a great insight into how he's going to want to structure that team. Um, there's, there's talent there, but I feel like they've got a ways to go. Lion, um, their projected win total was seven and a half. I don't think they'll get, I can't see them getting eight games, eight wins. I think that'll be a struggle. I think a pass mark in terms of games one would probably be around six. If they're winning over six, I think that'd be a good effort. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's re- rebuilding stage down at Hawthorne. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait to see Sam Mitchell struggle as coach. On to the <laughs> Melbourne Demons. Pass mark for them, Premiers back-to-back fail if they miss the grand final. Look, I think they'll finish runners-up. They won't get, as I mentioned, a good as run with injuries as they did in 2021. Look, Back-to-back is rare. And I know recently we had the Tigers in 2019 and 2020. We had the Hawks three in a row and the Lions three in a row. But it's really, really, really rare. When you think about how many seasons there's been since the AFL was renamed the AFL from the VFL in 1990, the only teams to go back-to-back in that time, the Crows in 97-98, then you had the Lions three in a row, then you had Hawthorne three in a row, and then you had the Tigers 2019-2020. It's very rare for a team to repeat that success. 
because after a season, they've had to evolve because teams are now watching them. They're learning from them. They're, they're, they are trying to mimic them. They know now how to stop or they're trying to plan on how to stop them. Um, they've had a tougher fixture as well. Don't forget, they finished in the middle six in 2020, which meant they had a middle of the road fixture in terms of toughness. Now, obviously, finishing premiers will have a much tougher fixture this year. But I don't think they'll miss up the opportunity to play a grand final in front of their home fans. But to me, it just it's it, it strikes me. Uh, it has a, a an air of Geelong 2008 about them, where the Cats dominated the home and away season and then choked the grand final. I think that's exactly what's going to happen this year. I'm sorry, Melbourne fans. Uh, but yeah, how about you, Fraser? I think you've also got the D's making the granny. I've got D's as premiers, but I agree with what you say. So hard to go back to back and maintain that um, hunger, especially when you've done it for the first time the year before. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be tough for them, no doubt. And you, you mentioned a bit earlier about their, their injury list last year. It wasn't long. What didn't take long to read? It would have fitted on one page um, inside 72 font. So, um, yeah, you mentioned pass mark. Um, definitely, definitely, obviously, premiers. Um, fail. I think it's also you, what you said there. Um, missing the grand final would be a fail. I don't think you can say it. Um, maybe, maybe in a few rare cases, it's tough to say a fail is making um, the grand final and losing in the grand final. So missing the grand final, I think, would be fail for Melbourne. But yeah, I'm I'm extremely bullish on them. I think they are going to be really hard to stop this year. Absolutely. On to the opposite end of the table. Last year's wooden spooners, North Melbourne. Similar to the Crows, to the Magpies, and to the Hawks, I think anything outside the bottom four will be a uh, a success for them. It's rare to see back-to-back wooden spooners, and that would definitely be a massive fail from them. Look, I do think they'll finish bottom four. There were awesome signs last year, highlighted by beating the Eagles in Perth and pushing Richmond and Geelong like they did. They nearly beat Essendon, who ended up playing finals last season. But that, in the end, only ended up being a good eight to 10 last uh, weeks of the season before round 23. That was, they did get crushed by the crows and the crows were pretty terrible last year. And the crows pulled the kangaroos pants down in round 23, horrible momentum to head into the new season. They looked awful against the demons and yeah, I get it. It's Melbourne. They're the reigning premiers, but yikes, yikes, yikes. Not to mention as well, the season is longer than 10 weeks. I do not think the kangaroos can maintain the rage for 22 games, even with Horn Francis now playing for them. Uh, and let's not forget, they did give the Dogs their biggest ever win against them in their history earlier in 2021. They'll improve. After all, the only way to go when you're dead last is up, but they won't improve by that much. It wasn't hard to see the way they want to play when they played on the weekend against the Swans. Um, running, hard running through the middle, um, chain of handballs. They, they spread quickly. Didn't come off very often though. Um, I don't think I didn't I didn't think Sydney played amazingly well. So I think that's going to take some polish for North Melbourne, and it will come. Um, it's just whether that will be this year. There, there's obviously they've got quality players. You have got like Taron Thomas, and you've got like a although much maligned Jaden Stevenson. We've talked about um, Juan Francis. Um, there is talent. Um, Davies Uniax looks better by the year, so um, it's not. It's a better place to be if you're North Melbourne than you were two years ago, definitely. Um, I've got them I've got them in uh, 16th. I think a pass mark is probably 
15th and above. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they travel this year. But yeah, it's a tough one, North Melbourne. I think they could they could either struggle, be like 18th, or creep up into that like 14th, 15th spot. It'll be interesting. Absolutely. Look, I think promising signs are there. Green shoots are there, um, but they're not ready to sprout just yet. On to the power. Uh, pass mark has to be grand final. Ken Hinckley is saying premiership. I think pass mark will be grand final. Fail if they miss finals. And I think they will. They will miss finals football. Look, every single year it's hard to tip who's going to be the unlucky one and just miss out. I think Port fit that bill. Did you see them against the Suns? Yes, it is a practice match, but they are thinner than paper in terms of their depth, especially if any injuries pop up. For them to win the flag this year, I am convinced that of their best 22, they're all going to have to play at least 18 to 20 matches this season, and that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And we have seen them fail again and again at home. It's not like... It's not like I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, back in 2002, 2003, when the power failed in finals, they played finals football those seasons away from home. So at least you could, you know, you can make the excuse. Yeah, sure. They choked in finals, but they weren't, they didn't have the home crowd advantage. They did have the home crowd advantage in 2020 and 2021. Golden opportunity in 2020, narrowly lost that, got their pants pulled down and spanked by the dogs. And yet now... They're saying that they're going to win the premiership, Ken Hinckley. Look, Ken, I love you. I met you in Dubai. You're a lovely person, but I just don't think it's going to happen for you. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, not going to happen. Power to miss out. Um, they went 5-0 and in games under 12 points last year. That takes plenty of luck, I reckon. Um, they won 17 games. I think that kind of slightly um, overstates how good they were. Um, injury list you mentioned was was short last year and they are thin um, in terms of depth in my mind. So, yeah, it's a tough one with Port. Um, you mentioned the pass mark of winning a flag. I haven't got them. I haven't got them in the four. So I'm not as high on them as I was last year. I think I might've had them as my flag favorite last year. And obviously I still, I'm still getting over that, um, that prelim. Gee, they gave that away. It's like they didn't even, I'm still not sure if anyone's found where the players were that night. Um, so yeah, I've got the, I've got them, I've got them in the bottom half of the eight. I still think they'll make finals. There's enough talent there where they should definitely be making finals. Whether missing, um, if they make the grand final, I'd say that's probably a pass mark for mine. Um, but yeah, I'm not, not as high on them, but hopefully they can prove me wrong. On to the Richmond Tigers. I think pass mark for the Tigers, top four. Fail if they gamble for one last uh, tenth at the premiership falls apart. I think they can finish bottom six. Look, I think they'll finish elimination final losers. I can understand why people are saying the Tigers are going to return to top four, but they are a team that greatly struggled in 2021. They had a lot of injuries. They've had premiership players retire. Their young players are good, but I don't know whether or not they're quite ready yet to fill in some of the roles. If you get someone like, oh, I don't know, a Dylan Grimes injured and missing some games, like he already is. Hope you get better soon, Dylan Grimes. Will Dustin Martin be able to play out a full season after his ugly, ugly, horrible injury last year? We don't know. They're only going to get older, the Tigers. I just don't think they are ready quite yet to challenge for the flag again. But 
with that being said, they are Richmond. They always like the odds stacked against them. Midway through 2019, when they were ninth on the ladder, everybody was probably thinking, oh, all is right with the world. We can make fun of the Tigers again. They're probably going to miss finals. Won 12 in a row, crushed the Giants by just under 90 points in the grand final. I don't think it's going to happen this year. What about you, Fraser? Uh, for mine, Dustin Martin's good enough where they'll probably make finals with him playing, to be honest. If he's if he's there for a full season, I can't really see the missing finals. And that's just that's just how it is, I think. I think he's just that good. So um, hopefully he's fit and firing for the majority of the season and they can go close. I've got them finishing fifth. I think a pass mark is probably that fifth or sixth range, um, winning a final definitely. Um, a fail would obviously be missing finals. Um, he obviously lost, lost a player in um, Marbio Chol, had a few retirements in, um, in Asprey, um, Hawley. So, yeah, they have lost some players. Um, but, I mean, when you've got... When you've still got Revolt and um, and Lynch as your forward line as your key pillars, um, the defense is still good enough. Not great, but it's still good enough. And the midfield, Martin returning, hopefully, and they will need some of the young players to stand up through there. If they can get that, I think they can they can challenge for a flag. On to the Saints. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Not this year. They're not going to play finals football. Ah, oh, sorry to trick you like that, St. Kilda supporters, but I'm sure <laughs> that you've had your hearts broken plenty of time by your football team, so you're used to it. Look, I think pass mark is finals for them. Sale is not playing finals. Man, they were an enigma last year because they had some great wins. They comfortably beat the Swans. They comfortably beat Brisbane. They annihilated, They kept Richmond to their lowest score in 50 years. They kept Richmond to the lowest score in 50 years, and yet they lost to the Power by nine goals, the Bombers by 75, the Tigers by 86, and they lost to the Dogs by 111 points, where 12 games earlier, the Dogs lost to them in elimination final. It's like, riddle me that. So if they can bridge a gap between their best and their worst, I think they can play finals. But with that being said, pure and simple, I just don't trust them. I do not trust them. Still one of the oldest lists in the competition, and now they have the current longest premiership drought as well. Oh, man. Thanks, thanks supporters. I really feel for you. Really feel for you. <laughs> Fraser, tell me, will there be some relief for the Saints? Uh, depends what relief means. And I'd say relief is probably making finals and I can't see them getting back there. So hopefully for secure the fans, it wasn't a flash in the pan a couple of years ago when they won a final, but it's hard to see them when they, as you mentioned, their inconsistency. Um, I've obviously had the ACL to Nick Caulfield, one of their better young players. There seems to always be injuries floating around the Saints. You mentioned their list is quite old. Um, I'm sure Max King's probably in for a big year. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to see them, especially with the ladder in that top half that is so stacked. I've got them just missing out. Um, win total is 10 and a half. I probably need more than that to make finals. So, yeah, I probably see them around that similar mark to Carlton. And I'd probably prefer Carlton's list. I'd probably prefer the Giants list. And there's another, another few teams in that bracket that I'd probably um, pick over St Kilda if I had to. So, yeah, I think they'll struggle. And, um, I think another year without finals is probably on the way, unfortunately. Um, to the Sydney Swans, I think this team can play fine, uh, can make the prelim finals. 
I can also see them missing finals. I do think they'll play in the prelims. Consider this. The Swans rose from 16th to finals in a year where they played almost every match in the second half away from home. They beat Geelong after being 29 points down. They crushed Richmond by 45 points at the MCG. Granted, that was early in the year back, you know, when we thought the Tigers were going to be really good. But still, it's really rare to beat Richmond at the MCG, let alone pull their pants down like the Swans did. And they crushed the Eagles by almost 100 points away from Sydney. Like the Eagles rarely win in Sydney. Sydney went to Geelong, playing away from family, away from friends, no idea when they're going to get back. And they still crushed the Eagles by almost 100 points. Imagine if that game was at the SCG. Would have won by 150. Look, the Swans need to stop losing games that they should win. If they can do that, and if they can continue to win games that they shouldn't win, the thunder will indeed be shooketh from the sky. I think the Swans are going to have a great season. Buddy, 1,000. It's going to happen. Let's go. Uh, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed round one. I'd love to stick it to the Giants. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to get stuck talking because I'll talk about the Swans all day, but I've got them... I wouldn't say I'm bullish on the Swans this year. I think it's easy to be um, tentative with a team that surges up the ladder like they did last year, um, even coming from a Sydney supporter. I think that um, happens quite a lot. I'm sure there'll be some sort of um, re- return to the mean, if you know what I'm saying there. But whether that means they're um, bottom half of the eight, I've got them I've got them fourth. I'll probably give them a bit of a boost because I'm a Swans man. Uh, it's probably more want than... Um, belief it's probably more um heart than uh head so um yeah i think a pass mark is um definitely making the prelims that would definitely be a pass mark for mine winning a final that would be pretty handy as well obviously um as you mentioned a fail a fail i think was probably making finals and losing first week i think after you've it's always hard to say that yeah oh don't say that Somehow, if that happens again this year, I'll probably just, I'll have to walk. Um, I don't know where I'll go. I'll have to head off. I won't be able to watch the game, that's for sure. So, yeah, um, probably prelim final, as you mentioned. That's probably a pass. Um, winning a final is probably right on the edge. Um, but we'll see how they go. Fingers crossed for them. Indeed. Now, on to the West Coast Eagles. Yikes. Pass mark for them just missing finals. You know it's going to be a bleak season when people are saying that their pass mark is just missing finals football. Bottom four for them, I reckon, this year. Wow, what an injury list. I was already going to tip them to finish outside the top eight, considering the poor, poor, poor effort that they put into multiple games last season. But then half their playing list got injured in a preseason match. Expect the pressure to absolutely skyrocket on Adam Simpson this year. Would not be surprised if he ended up losing his job come the end of the season. Would not be totally shocked. But yes, do expect the Eagles to have a horrible year. Big call there. Um, don't mind that from you, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on the bandwagon as well in terms of um, I don't want to go Robert Walls here, but I think they'll go. I think they'll struggle this year. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one with the injury list, that's for sure. Um, but um, there's not there's still like you still don't want to completely write them off because there is that um, talent through the middle of the ground. Um, there's still the backline still sound. I mean, you got Nat Nui, forward line still solid as well. So it's like, it's just those injuries. If they, if they were coming into the season fully fit, I'd be like top eight, no stress. But it's hard to put them in there when they've got so much um, injury troubles. So yeah, it's a tough one. Fail, 
fails probably missing finals, which I, um, and that's probably similar to a pass at the moment with the way their list is shaping up. So, yeah, I think they'll struggle to make the eight. And I probably see Fremantle leapfrogging them as the top team in the West. Ooh. Wouldn't you just hate that West Coast supporters? <laughs> On to the Western Bulldogs. Last mark for them. They're probably thinking a premiership. Fail will probably be missing the grand final. I reckon they'll be losing semi-finalists. They had a really good run with injuries last year, up until the last kind of four weeks or so. They lost Norton, they lost Bruce, but they won't get as lucky this season. I don't think they no no team can get as lucky two years in a row. Additionally, I'm going off history here. Teams that get crushed in the grand final rarely play in the preceding year's grand final, let alone win it. The last team to play in consecutive grand finals after getting crushed in the first one was Geelong, who got trounced in 94 and 95. The last team to get annihilated in the grand final and then win the premiership the year after that were the Bombers, 83 and 84. Look, uh, actually, sorry, apologies, Hawthorne fans. It was Hawthorne, got trounced in 85 and then 186. But, you know, nobody remembers those Hawthorne team anyways. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs make me eat my words, but I do expect a little bit of a regression. They should still play finals, though. Yeah. Um, passes, winning the flag, fails, um, not making the grand final. Well, well said by you. Um, I think their best is probably... Um, the second best in the comp behind Melbourne. And there's probably a little bit of a, a gap between third, who's probably Brisbane for mine. So if they're firing, um, there's no doubt that they can win the flag. And they're probably the team that can push Melbourne the most, even though that we've both got Brisbane. Hopefully they can um, find their form and get healthy. Um, their projected win title is 15 and a half. I think they'll clear that um, I think they'll go 17, 18 wins. That's how good they are. Um, fingers crossed for um, for a healthy year for the Dogs. Yeah, look, could easily see that happening. I'm curious. Let's get your top eight by the end of round 23, and we'll get your bottom four as well. Let's discuss the bottom four first. I think okay. Eagles in 15th, North in 16th, Hawks in 17th, and the Crows dead last. What about you? I've got the Suns in 15th, the Kangaroos 16th, Hawthorne in 17th, and Adelaide in 18th. So we've got a bit of crossover there, mate. We promise we did not discuss any of these details before. <laughs> on to the top eight. I reckon top eight, come the end of round 23, Melbourne on top, Brisbane in second, the Giants and the Swans in that order rounding out the top four, the Bombers in fifth, the Dockers in sixth, who will be hosting the Bulldogs, Dogs like playing in the West first week of the finals, so I think the Dogs will be okay with that. And the Bombers will set up a monster first week of the finals elimination final at the MCG against the Tigers. The Bombers and the Tigers elimination final. Melbourne might be swallowed into a black hole, depending on the result. <laughs> what about you, Fraser? Uh, my top eight reads like this. Melbourne, uh, followed by the Dogs in second. Brisbane and Sydney, in that order, rounding out the top four. Um, five to eight, I've got Richmond, Port, Essendon, um, and Geelong. So uh, you're probably not Raptor here that I've got Essendon travelling to Adelaide in the first week of finals, but um, hopefully uh, I'm a bit off the money there. Hey, look, considering how poor Porter played at home in finals last couple of seasons, I'm actually, true, okay, true. With I'm yeah. actually okay with that. Now, um, look, there were some things I wanted to ask you about AFLW, which I forgot earlier. Let's cover them at the moment. 
That was all about the AFL season preview. Back to the AFLW, there have been some major talking points, and I just want to ask your opinions about them. First things first, when should the season be played? Should it be? Should it start in January, February, like it is at the moment? Should it start, Mark Robinson, I think it was suggested it should start in September, um, have played first month alongside the men's final series, and then have it finished sometime in December? Should it be played concurrently with the uh with the afl men's season i'm curious to hear your opinion about that i'm citing the latter on that one i think they should be a curtain raiser to every um afl game we're getting to the stage where um um, afl teams have also have aflw teams now um whether or not um that sets them up for the most um exposure i'm not the one to speak to that but i can't imagine it would hurt them too much i feel like Definitely in my position, um, this kind of like summer period, we're not so much now, we're kind of getting into football season and um, fingers crossed it's a, it's a ripper. But that kind of period where they're playing through like just like the Christmas summer period where you've got, you've got cricket, you've got tennis, um, it's hard for, I feel like it's hard to really eat into that with such a, with such a like a, Australia, such a like a summer place, it's a hot place. We're used to those summer sports. It's kind of strange seeing um aflw on the tv during those months so i feel like there's nothing like a curtain raiser it's like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with having a curtain raiser before an afl game i mean you could even play the um you could play the aflw afterwards it doesn't doesn't phase me maybe that's an option as well um if they wanted to if there was something about protecting the grounds or something like that who knows but um i think that's a no-brainer to have aflw played beforehand what about you mate what are your what are your thoughts Oh, look, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think no matter what route you take, there's going to be people who are going to be upset and there's going to be positives and negatives no matter what you do. I think in terms of the double header, is that the best way to get not only the women playing in cooler months, but also more exposure potentially, although you risk the women's game being overshadowed by the men potentially, because I don't know, because you might get more people showing up for the men's than the women's. You might get, I don't know, TV rights. I don't know if TV channels are going to want to broadcast six straight hours of Aussie rules. Um, although, to be honest with you, I would love to watch six straight hours of Aussie rules. That sounds, <laughs> like, an quiet, ideal Saturday. That sounds like an ideal Saturday to me. I don't know about you. Um, or do you do you do what Mark Robinson said and suggested and play start playing it in August, September, run the risk of the early weeks coinciding with the AFL final series, um, but then having the breathing room to finish off by the time the summer comes around and the hot months come around, you'll be finishing up the season. And um, therefore, you know, you don't have to compete with the cricket. You don't have to compete with the tennis, but you also don't have to play in sweltering, ungodly heat. That's probably the best option for me. I reckon start the season in August, have the season run through August into early December. And that way, you know, you get you get the best of both worlds of playing most of the season in cooler months, not clashing with the AFL men's or with the cricket or the tennis. And then, yeah, I reckon that's probably the best way to go about it. On to the other big talking points. The Bombers, Swans, Power and Hawks will join the AFLW in uh, from next season onwards. I want to ask you, has expansion happened too quickly? 
Similar to my kind of answer on the last question, I think this is similarly no-brainer. The answer for mine is yes. Um, but at the same time, um, that that is in terms of probably probably talent at this stage. Talent pathways aren't necessarily all they're building. I wouldn't have said they're necessarily where they need to be just yet. Um, that that said, um, it's um, it's good to see how much um, growth and improvement has happened since the AFLW came to be. Um, so yeah, it's been certainly a huge um, uh, few strides in the right direction in that sense of uh, of quality of play. I would say. Um, the answer for mine um it's definitely happened too quickly hopefully um the next year with an extra four teams coming in doesn't tip the scales into a place where we've got too many teams who are really struggling to compete that's always a a tough one we always um much maligned teams like your gold coast who have really struggled to um find a way to climb up the ladder and when you've got a new league like the aflw you don't want that to be a part of your um, youngest days, your early days, the part of your um, origin. So, I mean, the last thing we want is a stage where teams have to fold out of the competition because they aren't sustainable economically. But at the same time, they've, they know what they're doing at the AFL, I'm sure. They're not, we're not talking about a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. Um, it, it's obviously economically viable for the AFL um, to be doing what they're doing. And I'm sure... Um, AFLW will become self-sustaining soon enough. Yeah, look, I I agree with what you're saying. I do think it's happened a little bit too quickly. Had I had a say in it, I reckon I would have spread it over 10 years, start off in 2017 with eight clubs, then 2020 bring in two more clubs, maybe 2023 bring in four more clubs, I think that that's up to 14 if I'm not correct. <laughs> and then come 2027, bring in the remaining four clubs, Essendon, Hawthorne, Sydney, and Port. Um, I do think it, it the talent at the moment and just because of those pathways, they're still being developed. They're still being, you know, they're still being grown. They're still being produced. And so it is a tiny bit thin across the competition already. Um, but yes, you're right. The... Uh, AFLW has always been an entertaining sport, but it's become really, really, really entertaining um, this season. It's been some fantastic matches and I can't wait for finals football to start. Um, now, I'm curious about this. The lack of AFLW women's coaches. Do you think that this is a problem? And if so, how does this get fixed? Certainly an issue. Um, I don't think you can say it isn't. Um, when you've got um, a new league like the AFLW, you want to try and attract players and you attract players by having them having played football during their um, adolescent years, basically. It's obviously we've seen plenty of players who have come over from um, netball, basketball, those kind of sports as well in recent times, cricket even. Um, and that, that's always going to happen and it should happen because we love AFL, AFL and AFLW and um, you'd be silly not to watch it. You'd be silly not to get involved. Um, but at the same time um, with AFLW coaches, it's kind of comes back to what I was saying about pathways for players, pathways for coaches just weren't there 
Um, and it, that's also kind of links back to the talk about expansion. Um, was the infrastructure in place um, when they got the AFLW off the ground, maybe for the original teams um, to support um, the original number of teams they had, but I wouldn't have said they the infrastructure was there for the amount of players, teams, coaches, staff that we have now. So it's about getting those pathways set up through junior football, which is happening, no doubt. You see it in country football. Um, you see it in metropolitan football around cities. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's something that um, it's certainly an issue, but it, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that it's being rectified. And um, although it's probably going to be a slow burn, um, I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, look, I do think it's a problem, but I kind of think I, I look at some of the AFLW players who, who are leaders in the competition, your, your Bowers and your Phillips and your Randalls, and I look at them and I think, man, if, if they want to become coaches, they're probably ready-made coaches already just because of how great they are in their own clubs and in their own teams with being leaders, especially out on the field. And that's why those teams, the Crows, the Lions, the Dockers, they've always done so well in the AFLW. I think once those players retire, I, I expect to see a, an influx of women coaching AFLW teams. And there's been talk of Daisy Pierce potentially becoming an AFL men's assistant coach. That would be awesome. However, if she wants to coach the AFLW, I think she's a ready-made coach, whichever comp she decides to be coaching. But I think that there's absolutely a role for her as a ready-made head coach of a team come 2023, whether it's coaching one of the expansion franchises or a club like Carlton, there'll be a coach under pressure there, could see a new coach there come 2023. So yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm definitely excited for the future of this competition. However, one of the major negatives this season has been a number of ACL injuries. Goodness gracious me, especially week one, like three or four major injuries to superstar players just in the first week alone. And it hasn't really let up since. I'm just wondering, Fraser, what do they need to do to reduce the number of ACLs because it is ridiculous. Yeah, they're prevalent, aren't they? That's for sure. Um, you see, um, you see plenty of talk about um, the time of year they play, the hard grounds, not enough water on. They used a lot of the grounds they're playing on um, are being used as cricket grounds at the same time, um, which aren't as conducive to rain um, and um, irrigation. So. Um, yeah, you still see far too many of them. So it's a matter of whether um, what we can do there, whether that needs, whether um, moving the competition um, to another time, as we spoke about earlier, um, does does some, some something to that. Um, it's a tough one when um, these injuries are often innocuous, and whether that will actually have much of an impact, or whether it comes back to training. Um, these players are part-time. Do they have enough time to be able to get their bodies um, right for the rigors of AFL football? Um, which is obviously a big question mark and another question we could talk all day about. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough one with the, with the knee injuries and those, those um, you see soft tissue injuries a lot. We saw, um, um, you see shoulder injuries we saw over the weekend. Um, so it's, it could well come back to that, um, the kind of part-time nature of the AFLW at the moment. And I'm, there's no doubt in my mind, and I don't think, I think you'd be silly to think that um, full-time status for AFLW players isn't 
um, relatively close around the corner. And hopefully when that um, day comes, we see less of these injuries and um, more of the best players out in the park for more. Here's what I reckon the, the AFL's got to do. Move the season so they're not playing in the brutal summer heat. Add two players onto the field. So you're not playing with 16 players on the ground. You're playing with 18 players on the ground, just like the AFL men's. And make it full-time professional. Therefore, they don't have to balance something else, another job with this one. They can dedicate full-time to training, getting their bodies ready for the rigor of the sport. I think that is the only way doing those three things to, or at least two out of those three things, that's the only way that they'll see a, re a reduction in the uh, number of ACL injuries and number of serious injuries overall. Fraser, what a mammoth episode to start off with. And I could not have thought of anyone better to have for the first episode than you, mate. Thank you very much for joining me. Look, good luck for the Swans. I hope they crush the heck out of the Giants. <laughs> I hope it's by 100 plus points. Actually, no. What I hope is Buddy kicks his thousandth goal after the siren from 50 out up against the boundary line to win the game. That's what I hope. Fingers crossed, mate. Um, it's been a pleasure talking with you and um, any podcast with over two and a half Gilgamesh references I'll uh, gladly be a part of in the future. There you go. Shout out to all you ancient Mesopotamian fans out there. Um, and shout out as well to all of our listeners around the world, uh, including John and Lynn uh, from the United States at the moment. I know you're listening to this, John and Lynn from Pennsylvania. Thank you very much for joining. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast, wherever you are in the world. Join me next week as I talk about the AFLW final series and preview round one of the men's in what promises to be a blockbuster start to their season. But until then, adios. Adios.